0: Hey everybody, this is Derek Johnson along with uh, Race Bannon. A few weeks ago there was a thread on Hardcore Husky where some younger posters were saying that they didn't know too much about the Don James years at Washington and how they'd like to hear some podcasts describing those days. Uh, So I reached out to Race and asked if he wanted to help put something together and he said sure. Uh, So today is the first uh, episode of a short series of podcasts we'll be doing to talk about the Don James era at Washington. Um, we'll be starting with the 1977 Rose Bowl season, which was Don James' third year. Um, but before we, uh, you know, launch into that, uh, we'll say hello to Race here and give him a chance just to, to give uh, listeners uh, some um, backstory in terms of his history with uh, Husky football up until that time. So, Race, how you doing? And uh, take it away.
1: I'm doing good. Um, of course, we have the usual. Technical difficulties you do kind of come in and out um and of course, in the tradition of disappointing our podcasters, I'm speaking on the nineteen nineties nineteen seventy seven season, which I was in Oklahoma for, <laughs> but that's actually <laughs> somewhat interesting in how how do you follow a team in nineteen seventy seven without an internet, without e s p n without cable, <clears throat> without anything in Oklahoma, how do you follow the Washington huskies? And how you did that was my mom mailed me the Sunday papers and my Sports Illustrated. And, of course, they were never in Sports Illustrated, but I just would read about the game on Sunday. And uh, that, that's how I followed that team. Uh, but how I got there, a little history, uh, as, as most people know, um, I was a, a young child and during the 59 and 60 seasons when uh, Jim Owens invented West Coast football won the back-to-back Rose Bowls, put Washington on the map. And that was the expectation growing up, an expectation that was never met. <laughs> but in um, 63, <laughs> they won the league with four losses and uh, lost to Illinois in the Rose Bowl. Dick Buckus, Jim Grabowski. I mean, Washington was a national brand because of what Jim Owens did in in resurrecting West Coast football. They were... You know, USC was still USC. USC won the national championship in 1962. Uh, they beat Wisconsin. Purple Base was the Wisconsin quarterback. That was a somewhat legendary Rose Bowl. <laughs> it's why they put why they put lights in there because it was so high scoring. It, it was almost dark at the end of it. Um, but anyway, hmm. Washington beat USC in '63, and so they got the Rose Bowl nod. That would be their last Rose Bowl and their last win over USC. Until Don James. So it was a, a dry childhood when it came to Husky football, but we loved him. We followed him. My dad wanted to fire the coach. The, that's basically the only thing my dad and I ever talked about was Husky football. Um, from birth to his death, uh, he, he didn't say a lot. So that was our What thing. year did he when die? 80. 80, okay. So he, yeah, 1980. So it was also my thing with my mom when they got separated 73 is my first season as a full-time season tickle holder with my mom as a junior in high school and I, it, that was the year that they, they went 2 and 9 and so I recall I think you corrected me on that one so I thought they only won one game but I believe we beat Idaho and WSU that year um so yeah I mean it was shitty even after six killer they couldn't beat anyone that mattered it was six killer right they were exciting but they were never a threat, so it it had been a long time, and then they hired this guy Don James. Who's he? Uh, and but the fact is, if the the guys doing the hiring back then actually knew who he was, it was a great hire. People say, oh, nobody wanted Don James. That was a bad. Hire. No, if you analyze, if you dig a little deeper on that one, his his career as an assistant, the the guys he coached with, the teams he coordinated on. It was a great hire. It was an inspired hire. They, nobody cared. <laughs> nobody knew. <laughs> and, you know, he came in immediately in 75 and beat USC and UCLA in the same year. It was the first win over the Trojans in 10 years and the first time beating both in the same year since, you know, the earth cooled. So, it, he he made his mark, but they went 6-5, and five, and he went 5-6, and six, and there was a a really high expectation for Husky football, even after a decade of, of not winning that those Rose bowl years were what every fan thought about it. The Husky stadium was a rough place, <laughs> booing, cursing, you know, the, the people that did show up were always angry and mad because they wanted to win. And <laughs> so here's James. He's what, what that makes him 11, 11 after two years. And so we get to the 77 season. And I had moved, I had driven down to Oklahoma to go to Bible school, believe it or not, in the fall of 77, late summer. And so, like I say, I'm following them via, you know, getting the mail the next Wednesday or Thursday and, and looking at the Sunday paper. Because you're lucky to get an Agate score in the Oklahoma paper. I mean, the Oklahoma Sooners were Barry Switzer starting his run. And that's all anybody cared about there. It, it, they, they didn't exactly follow the nation, you know, especially Washington. <laughs> <laughs> but I do know, as legend has, it's a true story. They, they lost to, what, Minnesota, Syracuse, and Mississippi State. Now, Mississippi State was good at that time. That's why they were on probation, because they'd bought a pretty good team. And they had Emery Ballard, the father of the wishbone. That was a legitimate loss. But losing to Minnesota and Syracuse would be like losing to them today. It was just, it was last-second field goals. They didn't know how to finish. It was just more losing. And that's when Don James actually thought he was going to get fired and he actually was going to get fired if he didn't turn it around and the legendary sleeping in the office and the 54 nothing win over Oregon. And here we are.
0: Well, it's one of the interesting things though, like you just referenced where they were one and three, they're heading down to Oregon. The whispers are starting to get, uh, you know, louder in regards to uh, amongst boosters and amongst the media. Is this it for him? Uh, is Washington made a mistake. And then there's that story that I'm sure you've heard, but uh, the two charter buses are traveling from Seattle to Portland, and Don James was meticulous with all of his details, and he always had everything said in a certain way and insisted on it being that way, and then that included, you know, bus A and bus B traveling in proper order, and they're going southbound on uh, 5, and I remember Chuck Nelson telling me about this in an interview for uh, for the Don James book I wrote years ago. Uh, then all of a sudden they look out the window and they see the, the back bus passing the first bus. <laughs> and then, uh, then by the time they got down to Portland Don James had words with the driver and fired him on the spot. So uh, he wasn't messing around. Do you remember that story?
1: I do. And that's Don James. It, it, it was, that's why he, he changed. He did. He did literally change the culture under six killer. Washington might to shoot it up score it up. I mean even after killer Chris Rowland once lost a fifty four forty nine game to Cal. Washington was like the other team didn't have a defense. Well James came in and built a defense, but his offense was horrible. Everybody hated watching the Husky offense. It was functionally retarded. But he built a <laughs> tough team. It just wasn't showing on the field. Like I say, they're losing close, but losing is losing.
0: Well just He's like watching five-
1: the most re- Go ahead. Well I was just say he's under five hundred as we're as we're heading down to Eugene at, you know in his career at Washington.
0: Yes. Uh, and, and just like uh we'll we'll proceed about the game in just a second here, but um just like with the most recent Super Bowl from a week ago, uh Cincinnati on its opening drive, uh they were somewhere around midfield and it was fourth and three or whatever, and they go for it. And I was just like you know, Don James would never, ever, ever do that unless he's, you know, down late in the fourth quarter. So, um, uh, but in terms of just putting a personal stamp on a program, there was a certain way to do things and a certain way you didn't do things. And uh, it was like uh, there's, uh, as he once said, there was three areas of the of the of the game: offense, defense, special teams. And if you win two of them, you should win the football game. And that was his thought. And and you mentioned about how people hated watching his offense, and, and of course, that was true all the way up until Gilby sure. arrived, you know, 12 years later.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and uh, there was a big quarterback controversy, and it, it was half race and half not because Warren Moon wasn't that good in college, and Chris Rowland was the local golden-haired boy who could sling the rock. And people were sitting up there like, Come on, put and roll, put boot and roll. And you know, Warren Moon and his family—I'm sure they did hear stuff that, you know, was horrible. But he also a lot of it was football too. <laughs> I mean, when he threw the ball out of bounds yes. on fourth down, <laughs> uh, stuff like that. <laughs> Not um, even Jake Browning so did a, that. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of stuff swirling around um, as they're as they're going down there because you know the quarterback always gets blamed for the offense, the quarterback and the coach and the offense wasn't functioning the way it should. It wasn't as good as the defense and the special teams. They they won games on punt returns well into James's career, well into it, into the 80s, oh, yeah. they were winning games on punt returns. It's amazing. Poor block putts.
0: Mm-hmm. In fact, not to get ahead of ourselves, but like uh, the 84 season, I don't know if you were down there in Corvallis, but Huskies are ranked number one in the nation, and thank God uh, we didn't have the Internet back then because – the Huskies won that game nineteen to seven, and they had probably about one hundred and seventy yards of offense or so. And they had a, re- a punt return for a touchdown and a block punt for a touch. Oh no, excuse me, I'm thinking of the eighty four Oregon game. They had the Ron Miles yeah. punt return for a touchdown and the and the block punt for a touchdown, and that was their offense.
1: Yeah, they, number they had, one in the country. Up, they had two first downs, or something like that. Uh, two, yeah, yeah, three. Yeah, yep, but they won. <laughs> <So it> was, <laughs> they always beat Oregon. <laughs> Kids don't believe that today. <laughs> Oregon was our bitch. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'll,
0: even, even that, uh, I'll
1: even add... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, even that 91 uh, video that you put up, there, that was disappointing that they didn't beat them 60 to nothing. That game was, <laughs> <it> was boringly <laughs> close.
0: Well... Well, Hoffman told me that the whole defense was pissed off because it was twenty-nine nothing with two minutes to go, and then uh, I don't remember who it was Lowville or whoever the Oregon running back was—he broke up the middle like thirty yards for a touchdown, and like with a minute to go or whatever, and it ruined the shutout. And uh, and they were all pissed off in the locker room, and I just found that funny, you know.
1: Yeah, it's uh that it was a different time back then. Players were different, <laughs> you know is it? you can't blame kids today, because I don't want to sound like an old man, but it it, it does seem, and it seemed t- at times back then, that the fans cared more than the players. And I think in some cases they do. Hmm. Um, it's just one of those weird yeah. things. You're but, talking about back that's then, why then chemistry right? chemistry matters. Yeah. It, it, it's why yeah, chemistry yeah. matters on a team. It's, you got to have those guys... In, a coach can do a lot, but you've got to have the guys in the locker room. I mean, that's football 101. You need Steve Entman in there throwing the benches around, scaring the shit out of people in a way that Don James couldn't. If Don James intimidated people, Steve Entman scared them.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, and we jumped ahead of that. 77 had a good defense. They had Michael Jackson. woo
0: my, well, Michael Jackson, Nesby Glasgow, um, and then uh, they had uh, um, Scott Greenwood at tight end, Warren Moon at quarterback, Joe Steele, and uh, Kyle Stevens at running back, and I'm forgetting somebody out. Oh, Jeff Tays was, uh, I think he was a tackle, and he played many years with Miami. Um, there was a lot of talent on that team.
1: Well, there, was a, there was a lot of, there was more talent when James came than people thought that his first team, that's. Six and five team was a win over California away from going to the Rose Bowl. They lost that game, um, so oh. somehow Owens had had left him a pretty good cupboard, and then James just started adding to it.
0: And uh, one thing about that uh, Oregon game where they went down to to Eugene, they win fifty four to nothing. And then uh, Warren, the Huskies then get down near the goal line again, and then uh, and then Don James instructed Warren Moon to take a couple of knees instead of making it sixty-one to nothing. So I don't personally remember that, but uh I was only six years old, so there's uh, well, I only I remember Joe Steele scoring a touchdown in that game and stuff like that. But go ahead.
1: Yeah, I I never I've never even seen that game. I know that in in six, seventy-three Oregon won fifty-eight to nothing. In 74, UW won 66 to nothing, and Jim Owens ran it up, and everybody wanted him to. That's a different (laughs) – Owens was trying to save his ass. And he's like, I'll score 70 if that's what it did. Uh, But, yeah, no, that's not Don James. You know, 54 is enough.
0: He he once said, and this was back in the '80s, I think. But he once said that uh, there were only like two coaches in all of football that he would run it up against, and one of them was the UTEP coach at that time. And then there was somebody back east because he thought that they were really uh, shitty when it came to games or uh, sportsmanship. Um, well, he's and running he
1: it he, up on Joe Cap too. <laughs>
0: We're getting ahead of ourselves again, but yeah. (laughs) And and, and I remember, and I was only 11 for that game, but I remember that vividly.
1: Well, that's the one where he said, uh, our third string defense needs work. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Don James was an underrated shit talker. He was was Steve Spurrier in a mild-mannered, small package, right? He wasn't big and brash. But, man, he could cut you with a knife.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I was, uh, to prepare for this, I was looking at some YouTube videos early this morning, and I saw uh, an old clip from uh, the uh, Husky highlights the day after. And um, it was just, it was hilarious because it was a huge victory over USC that had everybody fired up. And then he's being interviewed about it, and and, uh, Bruce King's going, you know, you must be so excited, and, Oh, yeah, it was a good win. We congratulated the players. It was so understated.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the coaches show with Bruce King, um, the original, actually the original one was Jim Owens and Keith Jackson, but the Don James show with Bruce King after a loss, James would be sitting there the most miserable man on Earth and you know here's Bruce can go, oh hey coach stop stuff lot you're smiling joking he, oh, you motherfucker <laughs> that was that was good stuff that's how that was the world back then you know oh yes local news and local newspapers and the radio.
0: So, uh, so the Huskies uh, open up the Pac-8 play with a huge win over Oregon. Now they're one and zero, and they're two and three. And October fifteenth, they uh, play Stanford, and Stanford's got Bill Walsh. Uh, they um, they would finish. Uh, Stanford would finish ranked fifteenth in the nation that year. They had Darren Nelson at running back, uh, but the Huskies uh, won forty-five to twenty-one for their second straight win. And I don't remember any details from that day, though. Do you Do you have any thoughts on that game?
1: Well, no, again, I. <clears throat> I just know that uh, Stanford and Cal both were pretty good teams when James came in. It, it, it was it was the four California schools. Uh, going back as long as I can remember, like my dad, the, the Northwest schools were an annoyance—a um, a game that we should win, even though we didn't win them all because Washington was shitty too. But we were less shitty in our <laughs> minds than Oregon, Oregon State, Washington State. You know, it was the California schools. that that everybody got up for. And Stanford, like you say, was good. Bill Walsh and, you know, Cal had in the seventies, they had um, Chuck Muncie and Steve Barkowski and Joe Ross and uh, Wesley Walker. I mean, the the PAC eight was a uh, awesome conference. It was the SEC of its day. Hmm. I
0: hadn't really thought about it, but I think you're right. It was very competitive.
1: Yeah. And USC was the standard bearer. They, You know, we'd watch them in the Rose Bowl every year, occasionally UCLA. But they'd win the big intersectional battles. Washington wasn't as good on the intersectional battles um, for quite some time. It's a lingering problem for decades, actually, that, you know, when they're really good, they'll win a big intersectional game. But, you know, we've seen them lose too many of those games over the years. Um, And now nobody wins those games. So the Pac-12 is considered a redheaded stepchild. But, you know, Washington, even in 77, <clears throat> excuse me, still, still had a little cred from back in the day. And, and if you won the Pac-8 or if you beat USC, people noticed. That's, that's how you got on the map.
0: And like you said a few minutes ago, when, when James had his first year in 1975, uh, he, he only went 6-5, but he beat both USC and UCLA. And to anybody paying attention at all, that, that was worth something. Uh, I'm sure that if I was, uh, you know, when he, his first year, I was four years old, so I don't really remember too many details, but I mean, if I had been a little bit older, I'm sure I wouldn't have been thrilled at six and five, but I'd like to think that I would have, uh, been able to identify and acknowledge the fact that, hey, we just knocked off the LA schools, you know? So,
1: well, 75 USC game at Husky stadium, <clears throat> John McKay had announced it. It was his last year. And USC lost their last four games, including Washington. But, you know, ten straight losses. Husky Stadium is full. And and James put Spider Gaines on the outside of the field goal defense team. And Gaines would go in there. He blocked extra points. He blocked field goals. They did you know, USC drive down the field and Spider Gaines would block something. And then of course the seventy five Apple Cup, Spider Gaines caught the bomb. Um here's an amazing player uh kind of guy they probably don't let in school these days but i mean his speed it was something we'd never seen at washington it, you know he had the speed that the the good teams had and that's you know james said i need big guys i need fast guys and that's how he recruited
0: yeah i tell you what um and then there were uh, like he was, well we're gonna get ahead of ourselves so I won't bring up the Rose Bowl yet but he made a big impact in the Rose Bowl and we'll talk about that in a few minutes but um, but yeah and, and and just in regards to Don James and how he just kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for rejuvenated the special teams play at Washington and made it a huge huge part of of Washington winning football games. Uh, and a lot of that was just uh, well, the block extra points and the block field goals and the block punts. And uh, you know, these days, if you see us, if you see the Huskies block a punt, it's like you almost fall out of your chair. You're like, you just don't see it very often.
1: No, and it's in the in the great teams today still excel at special teams. They may have a great offense, they may have a great defense, but they also have special teams. It's it it matters. Um, but yeah it it hasn't mattered at washington for a long time and you know you could you could the game has changed okay you could you could you could rely on defense and special teams a lot more back then than you can now there's going to be games now where you simply have to score and that's there's no way around it because any offense today can gash a defense i mean you look at the The 2016 Alabama defense and you know Clemson scores 40 on them or whatever, and that defense looked like the 91 Huskies until they ran into Clemson. So you're always going to have a bad day in modern football. You better be able to outscore them.
0: (laughs) You know you can take some of the worst Husky offenses back in the day under Don James, and you put them in the Pac-12 today, they probably average 35 points a game running I formation. So.
1: Uh oh, are you there? Yeah, I'm hearing about every other thing you say. Oh no, without technical difficulties, I think the audience uh, expects that. So, <laughs> <I'm, Okay>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've been here. I've been hearing you. Okay,
1: that's good. That's good. Hopefully, oh. you're a hundred percent on um, on the tape.
0: Yep. Well, we'll know. find out soon enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And if not, the intern will be summarily fired. So, um, That's right. So, right, so we so beat Husky, Stanford. I have no idea Stanford. how they did it. But... <laughs> and I don't have any memory of it, and you were in Oklahoma. and uh, uh, So the next two weeks were uh, October 22nd, a win over Oregon State. And then October 29th, uh, the Huskies went down to UCLA and lost, but it ended up being over, overturned by a forfeit.
1: Yeah, Washington always loses to UCLA in a Rose Bowl year. They did in uh, '63, (laughs) and they did in '77. It was 31 to nothing. So here's this Husky team, and 90, that not only lost three intersectional games, they lost to UCLA 31 to nothing, one of seven conference games. So, but they did go six and one in the conference. But that's why Washington team was completely overlooked, and if there had been an Internet, the entire country would be on the Internet saying Washington to go to the Rose Bowl. Why don't we get somebody good in the Rose Bowl? We need a playoff. You know, let's, let's get the BCS. But in Seattle, I, I, just from afar, um, well, to jump to the end of the story, USC had to beat UCLA in the final game. A week after Washington, or, or the day that Washington beat Washington State, it was a night game because I know my girlfriend was down visiting. We are in my little apartment in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, watching the UC, USC-UCLA game. And I believe US, USC hit the last second field goal. And I jumped up, smashed into the overhead light. I mean, it was like the, the celebration <laughs> was on. I don't care if they were 3-8. and eight, They're going to the Rose Bowl. That, that's what I'd been dreaming of my entire childhood. It was an amazing season, but it was a. You look back on it six and four, seven and four, it's 10 and two in the record books. But they were seven and four when the Rose Bowl was over.
0: Yeah, and um, now the interesting thing was that the Apple Cup that year was on four. November
1: twelfth.
0: Oh yeah, so the November twelfth was the Apple Cup, and the Huskies won, but they didn't know whether they were going to the Rose Bowl or not, and they would have to wait uh, thirteen days. Um, so the, yeah, to,
1: uh, so the USC-UCLA game was later on. It was after the fact, yeah. It was, Remember, it was, it was the, the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, big game.
0: And, Always a and big game, like but think... it
1: wasn't for the Rose Bowl this time. Well, it would have been if UCLA had won, they would have gone to the Rose Bowl.
0: Uh, right, right. So that's what Washington – no, 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 no. if UCLA won UC... – oh, I'm sorry, I misunderstood you. Yes, UCLA would have gone to the Rose Bowl, right. And, uh, yeah, uh, Washington, Washington beat would have...
1: USC and lost to UCLA right
0: um and then i could Remember? add a little detail here from what something that carol james told me years ago but it was um um the the irony was that washington had lost early in the season to syracuse and minnesota on last second field goals but then it was the last second field goal by frank jordan of usc that sent them to the rose bowl so there was a the huge irony there and she said that um they were uh so it's the day after Thanksgiving and Don Don her, you know she and Don are sitting in their living room and then the front door is basically just constantly open because you got a stream of neighbors and friends and family coming and going and uh they I can't remember what it was now but she said that uh I think it was signs I think she said that neighbors had planted tons of signs out front just cheering the the team on and stuff and then uh and then they're sitting there and Frank Jordan lines up to attempt a field goal, and the whole, you know, the whole course of history in terms of Husky football and the Pac-8 uh, hinged on a moment in a certain sense. Because if he misses that field goal, UCLA goes to the Rose Bowl, and who knows how long, you know, Don James stays at Washington, et
1: cetera. So. Well, yeah, um, they would have been over putting for sale signs in the yard, which is my favorite thing <laughs> ever, <laughs> at least for the SEC, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you know um, they, the USC game was in Seattle and Warren Moon did that 80 yard end, end run to clinch the game that was his one of his finest moments that and the Rose Bowl itself were Warren Moon's finest moments by far at uh, the University of Washington he was the MVP of the Rose Bowl went undrafted um, and when you look at that arm and when you look at what he did up in Edmonton, and then when you look what he did when he did get a chance in the NFL, I mean he he has a legit beef on that one. Somebody today somebody would have drafted him somewhere just just based on his arm alone. But oh, back then had- you know you know he, he he wasn't that good, and he's black. You know we're probably not going to take a shot at that. That's the way the NFL was.
0: No, I mean in Chuck Knox's autobiography, he he was talked about when he was the head coach of the L.A. Rams in the mid '70s, and he had a quarterback named James Harris, and he he wanted to play James Harris, but he kept getting uh, severe pressure from, I think the guy, the owner's name was Carol Rosenblum or something like that, and he kept getting pressure from him to uh, play uh, John Hartle, I think was the guy's name, and uh, there was a, a, there was a lot in that story, but ultimately. Uh, Chuck Knox had to finally relent and and bench Harris, and uh, and I remember there there was a quote in that book um, from from James Harris saying that it just ruined him mentally. He could never bounce back from it. And then Chuck Knox went on to say that he thought James Harris could have become one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history, but sometimes something well, James outside Harris circumstances was the, are sometimes too big.
1: So go ahead, James. Well, James Harris was the first great Grambling quarterback, right? He was before Doug Williams. And, uh, yeah, he, he was a great quarterback and I think Pat Hayden was involved in there somehow with the Rams too, the local USC Trojan. And yeah, the, James Harris was the last guy that they wanted to play. Not, not Chuck, but the team and, uh, Rosenblum was the guy that he owned the Baltimore Colts and he, he I think he traded the Colts for the Rams. There was all sorts of weird stuff and hmm. Georgia Frontier and, was married to him, and then he drowned, and she ended up with the Rams, and yeah, those were interesting <laughs> times. <laughs> uh, and uh, but, yeah, so anyway, Warren Moon was the our way, quarterback, one thing I'll say, and, um, oh, you know, oh, go ahead. the well, I, do we want to get to the Rose Bowl? Because I really don't know what I, you know. We covered as much as I know about the season and the highlights of how they got there, but.
0: To me, yeah, I, just, well, about- I, I do want to say one thing, uh, just, you, you can hear me. You can hear me, right? Can you hear me? Okay.
1: Uh, I can't now.
0: Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm holding the <laughs> phone above my head now, so I'll just try to, I'll try to hold it there for the remainder of the show here. Um, no, I, I have a, a – again, I was only, what, six years old or whatever for that um, 77 game against USC, but I, I have distinct memory of that. You remember how when things would get windy and rainy and the, the people would bring garbage bags uh, to the game to cover themselves up, and then they would let go of them and they would swirl all around the stadium? Do you remember that?
1: Yes. We sat undercover though we were Tai, but um yes. <laughs> it was uh, Well, it, back then we got USC in November in Seattle almost every time. And yes, you know As time went by, USC started whining like little bitches about that. And all of a sudden, like in 1990, the All I Saw was Purple Game was in, you know, it seemed like it was in August. It was 100 degrees. It was in September. (laughs) They had no excuses. (laughs) And they got their ass kicked.
0: (laughs) Yep. And uh, we don't see them in November. I think they've only played in uh, Seattle in November once since then, maybe twice. And uh, so but i i remember I remember that play by Warren Moon where he went seventy one yards down the sideline, and as he said years later, he said that he was actually just trying to run out the clock he wasn 't trying to like get a big run or whatever, um, and he got around in and broke a tackle or two, and suddenly he was uh, he wasn't the fastest guy in the world, but he was fast enough and uh and that was the uh the Huskies were ahead twenty one to ten late in the fourth quarter when he scored that long touchdown run, so it just put a cap on things and and I specifically remember that moment. Uh it was just just thrilling, beyond beyond words. It was so great. So uh, are you still with me here?
1: Yeah. Um I Okay. You- most of the time, yeah. Well, that run actually did make the highlights in Oklahoma because I remember seeing that run on Sunday, um, because that you know it was a big game at that time uh, as far as the Pac-8 was concerned. So yeah, that run beating USC that that made the highlights. And then we bring it
0: to the final part of the uh, of the episode, the show today. Uh, January second, nineteen seventy eight, at the Rose Bowl in Michigan, was ten and one and ranked fourth. Uh, the Wolverines uh, didn't hide their disdain in having to play Washington, and uh, 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 Michigan quarterback Rick Leach refused to pose with Warren Moon and Mickey Mouse at the Disneyland, uh, at Disneyland, which was the uh, you know the annual tradition for the starting quarterbacks of the Rose Bowl. Um, and uh, they so the Huskies were what seven and four technically at that point and ranked thirteenth. And then they come out and I'll let you take it from there, but the game starts and uh, what a what a what a great game.
1: Well I don't know that there's been a bigger underdog since in the Rose Bowl and the Washington Huskies were playing Michigan. Um Bo Schembeck already had a well documented not winning the Rose Bowl problem, <laughs> which he wouldn't solve until he played Washington in 1980. But um, right. anyway, Michigan's a huge favorite, and I, I call it a trick whip, kind of like what they did to Miami in 2000. Washington came out, Moon's throwing the ball over all over the field like he's Dan Marino. I mean, he's accurate, he's crisp, everything's working. They jump out big on Michigan, you know, the three and out score, three and out score. And before you know it, Michigan's in serious trouble. That first half was all Washington. And as I recall, they scored early in the second half and then just hung on for dear life.
0: Yeah, it was 21 to nothing and early in the second quarter. And Spider Gaines had uh, gotten... Uh, actually, I think Spider Gaines caught like a 28-yard TD pass. Uh, that number's from memory. I could be wrong. But but then he smashed into the wall. And, uh, yeah. and, and there was... I remember that. And uh, But he was okay, even though it hurt him quite a bit. Um, and, yeah, so then the Huskies in early in the third quarter jumped out 27-7. to seven, And uh, it was looking like it was going to be a, a big blowout. And, by the way, in that first half, you want to talk about having balls, you know, needing a, a dump truck to, to haul them around. First half, the Huskies faked a punt from their own 20-yard line. And uh, Aaron Wilson, the punter, threw a pass to Kyle Stevens, and it and they got down to somewhere around the Michigan thirty or so. Unbelievable.
1: Yeah, well, I remember at twenty-seven to seven being scared to death. I'm I I'd, I'd flown home. <laughs> I'm watching the game with my mom and girlfriend at the Olympia House, and we're all there. You know, we're going crazy as they build the lead. But then you, you, you know how it is when you're a loser, like you know we had been for so many years. You're just waiting. For Michigan to come back, basically, it, it's just <laughs> you, there's no lead that you feel safe and and you feel you feel the game turning because that's football, right? I mean, it, it there's always going to be that turn and uh, you know Michigan was a solid team. Uh, I forget who their quarterback was. It wasn't Harbaugh at that time, but Rick Leach. Um, they had a good quarterback. They had a great running game. It was Bo Shenbecker, and they yeah, just started Le- grinding that. Yeah, Rickley and they just started grinding the Huskies, which is what they should have done from the get-go, but weren't able to do. But, you know, Washington, that the surge of emotion, the momentum, we've thrown everything at them. This is where we're at, 27-7, come and get us.
0: And then late in the fourth quarter, Michigan's driving. The Huskies are ahead 27-20. to uh, uh, Oh, and by the way, uh, the Huskies blocked a Michigan extra point, which was why – it was twenty-seven to twenty, and not twenty-seven to twenty-one. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> ne- Nesby Glasgow had a huge interception, and then the Huskies got stopped and had to punt the ball back. And then uh, Michigan began driving again, and it gets down to about two minutes left in the game. And to anybody out there, regardless of your age or whether you were alive at the time or not, go find it on YouTube. In fact, I'll I'll post it on Hardcore Husky. Um, in the main board there, the inner Michigan gets inside the 10 with two minutes to go. Rick Leach rolls out to the right and throws a pass. And uh, I want to say it was to Stanley Edwards. And it looked like it was going to be caught at the three yard line and carried right into the end zone. But, but Michael Jackson of the Huskies goes over the receiver's shoulder and steals the ball away and falls down at the two. And then the entire Husky team runs out onto the field Beautiful moment. Are you with me?
1: Yes. I missed the end of that. But um, the Michael Jackson interception, yeah, but our house went wild. (laughs) Michael Jackson is one of the great Husky linebackers that, you know, people might remember for that play, but he was so much more than that. He was just an outstanding. he was one of the new Don James type players. You know, that was like, okay, we got guys like Michael Jackson now. And it was a tremendous play. Just tremendous.
0: You you mentioned that when you were in uh Tulsa or maybe it was Olympia, but you jumped up and hit your head on a light.
1: The I remember USC that Michael went over UCLA, yes. I was in Olympia for oh, the yeah. Rose Bowl.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Um I, my, da- my dad was seated to my right uh, on the couch and we were watching the uh, Rose Bowl. And when Michael Jackson intercepted that ball and the referee runs up and signals the other way that the Huskies have the ball, and my dad jumped up off that couch and six-year-old me looks up and I thought his head was going to go through the ceiling. That's like the main <laughs> memory I have of that moment. I literally thought his head was going to go through the ceiling. He, w- he he went straight up like a pogo stick. It was amazing. So um,
1: was something.
0: <laughs> and um, and then uh, I guess just uh, where where do you rank that in terms of uh, Don James games in your memory? Uh, where does that rank, that
1: Rose Bowl? Well, 77 and 91 were the two most important games that he won. 77 to get on the map and 91 to finally seal the deal and, and go all the way through and get that national championship. And make no mistake about it. Don James wasn't sitting around. We can't compete with these people. We can't do NIL. We can't recruit. We can't get it. He's like, we're here to win a national championship. And I think he won one in 84, but that's disputed. The undisputed fuck you, Miami national championship and the 77 Rose Bowl were, were his two seminal moments. And that's why he'll be revered until someone comes along and does better. It's that simple. Uh, You know, Peterson had a shot, but he didn't have the balls.
0: Yeah, I I would agree there. Um, And, you know, you mentioned uh, early on in the show about how Husky Stadium back in those days in the mid to late 70s, there was a lot of fans who were surly with high expectations that weren't being met. There was a lot of booing and stuff. And you, 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 you uh, you compare that to Jen Cohen, athletic director Jen Cohen's statement uh, to the Seattle Times about three months ago or whatever, where she said that her biggest concern about Husky football was the so-called fans that were ruining the experience of the players. And it's like, go, go look at YouTube videos from the 70s where you can hear the crowd. There's booing. <laughs>
1: A lot of it. Well, you know, my my quarter at UW coincided with Don James coming winter of 75. And I sat next to Charles Jackson and Wayne Moses, and they were in winter conditioning. And they... They actually were working harder than ever. They, Don James wasn't too concerned about their student athlete experience because they'd come into class they could barely move. And I'm like, what's up? Like, oh God, this new coach. <laughs> and i think to myself, I'm thinking, good, it's about time. But yeah, he he immediately put a mark on the program.
0: But then there were guys that like uh, Dan Lloyd, the the linebacker who went on to the play for the Giants before his career got cut down from cancer, and he's still alive though. But um, he he uh, he thrived under that uh, new environment that Don James put in there. So not everybody was groaning about it. Some of them were kind of doing the old Rudy thing about "Give me more, give me more," you know.
1: Well, yeah. I, I, Character matters. It's a part of recruiting. Obviously, a 4 3 is a great part of recruiting too, but there is something to be said that the guys that aren't going to quit, you know, when it's November and dark and cold and you know your bones hurt every time you make a tackle. Those are the guys. That was Husky football. Even even when they were shitty under Owens, they beat the hell out of that. that while well, they lose, while well, they lost right? teams, have, well we beat them, but like we're half our teams injured now. Uh, that, that was just Husky <laughs> football. We lost that. People blame New for losing it, but his teams, you know, they were clutch in the fourth quarter. That takes a certain amount of toughness. Um, but yeah, it, I don't it's know. Hard That's to another
0: conversation, but.
1: Yeah. Well, I know I, it, he's a controversy. It's like talking about Trump when you talk about new high so we'll <laughs> set him aside for now, but I mean, that, that was the culture that Don James built. That's why people loved Lambeau. That's why they didn't want to let go of Lambeau because um, they were clinging to this, you know, this vision of the, the tough Husky. And, uh, it was, it was dissipating from the day that Don James resigned. It's, that's just a fact. <laughs>
0: Well yeah, I mean um I've said this before on the boards and, and have said it in conversation to people, but it's like uh at least in terms of my memory, uh I, I realized things were not going well when it was uh it was the ninety five uh Sun Bowl where we, we got beat we got routed by Iowa for crying out loud. And we had a, uh, we lined up for a punt, and our punter was standing in his, in, in his end zone, and the snap sailed about 20 feet over his head. <laughs> and I just, I look at that as a, just kind of a, a, what am I trying to say, like a signal moment of like, things are never going back to the way they were, that would never happen under Don James.
1: Well, he was a bowl game coach, no matter what happened during the regular season. That, that was the saying, you know, give Don James two weeks or extra time to prepare for opponent, and his record was remarkable. And, and again, we've had trouble winning bowl games ever since then, too. Like you say, you know, Sun Bowl fiascos, Aloha Bowl fiascos, um, what, Alamo Bowl fiascos, every kind Aloha of bowl, bowl. fiasco. <laughs> um you know, and, and again, with Peterson, here you are, you're there, and he can't close the deal either. It, it's just, it's maddening. What, he won one bowl game in six years?
0: And it wasn't even a bowl. Well, I think he won two because he won the Vegas and he won the heart of Dallas, but they were two inconsequential oh. bowl games.
1: Yeah. And and that's, that's Husky football. I mean, when people, when Duck fans laugh at Huskies, I mean, there's really not a lot you can say other than no matter no. because – what else is there? I mean, we suck.
0: <laughs> and when COVID shuts down the Oregon women's basketball team's chances to win the title, uh, we, you know, that's about all we have to cling to now. <laughs>
1: <So>. Yes. <laughs> those, you know, 77. Well, I remember that <clears throat> the following September, because Washington had won the Rose Bowl, they were the ABC five o'clock West coast primetime. Game of the week in their season opener against Kenny Easley and UCLA, and I was back down in yep. Oklahoma at that time. Watched they we lost. We lost ten to seven. Uh, easily blocked a punt. Uh, we had, was that porous yet or sick? Uh, yep. just. Whor- it was that was porous. poor ass. Yep. And yeah, they were. <laughs> and, and that year they went back. I think to six and five. And it's like okay, uh, well, yep. are we are we a one year one no bowl game because. There weren't 75 bowls back then. I think the Pac-8 had just uh, relaxed the restriction that only the champion goes to the Rose Bowl. So you could go to another bowl, but there weren't many to choose from, and Washington wasn't good enough to get one of those. So you're wondering, you know, are we back here? And that the '79 season, even though they didn't win the league, that was huge. Ten and two beat Texas in the Sun Bowl a, a classic against USC that they lost It cost them the Rose Bowl. That's when I said this this looks like this is here to stay. Then they won the went to the Rose Bowl the next two years. Could have gone to five Rose Bowls in a year in a row with you know changing three games. It's that's that's when you knew the guy had it dialed in. And it was, as as quickly as the Orange Bowl win over Oklahoma it's like the bottom falls out again. It's theoretic. I mean it, Seasons that today would be accepted as good were not accepted as good. 85, 86, 87, 88, and 88 you start to see the inklings. In 89, eh, again they're losing. And another, oh, they make it to the Freedom Bowl, crush Florida. Everybody sees the roster, and you knew we were going to be back again. And, and oh that's, yeah, that's the Don James career. He built it, he rebuilt it, and he made it happen. Because he, he he did change his recruiting. He his big fast guys were big and slow. And he told the guys that get a stopwatch. I'm tired of this bullshit. You know, you go down there. You put our clock on him. Because he wanted to get the speed back, and and he did. Because you know Cornelius Bennett was faster than our running backs in that Sun Bowl against Alabama. The defensive line was faster than our running backs. And that's when James said, This isn't going to work.
0: It was really um it's a, it was a very simple thing for Don James to notice and acknowledge and yet I think it takes a level of humility that most coaches don't have that you get routed by Alabama in the eighty six Sun Bowl and like you said, Cornelius Bennett and et cetera. They just completely dominated. I think Chris Chandler got sacked like eight times or something. And it was a mess. And a lot of coaches would go, you know, damn it. We got to get back in that uh, weight room. We got to lift more. We got to work harder, you know. And he, the Don James, looked at it and said, "We're too damn slow. We need, we need to change what we're doing here." And so, from that sense, the '86 Sun Bowl is really a blessing, or turned into a blessing, even though it was real painful at the time because I, I did, I, I wanted, as I'm sure you did, I wanted to beat Alabama so bad, and then we just went out there and laid an egg. It was horrible, but
1: um, you know, we yeah, have that, an that, Alabama that, problem. <laughs>
0: Well documented one, <laughs> um, and we'll we'll conclude the show here. But uh, I want to say one thing, well, though. That let me you just made say a
1: one oh, more sure. thing about about of course James um, being humble enough to admit he needed to change. A lot of coaches were after what James had done through 1984. Would have taken the next ten years and you know done what Jim Owens did, right? Just rested on his laurels. They won't fire me. You know, look what I did for him. But he was driven interior on the inside, and, and that's what came down through the program. And then in 88, he fired his offensive line coach. That's when Gilbertson came in because Pinkle was still the OC when Gilbertson showed up. But the yes. offensive line immediately got better, which is why Huff needs to be fired because he's a piece of shit, and he's, <laughs> the offensive line is killing the Huskies to this day. James was. That's one of the few coaches he ever fired. He did it publicly. It was like a public execution to send a message, and everybody got the message.
0: Yeah, and I tell you, um, you know, as it, bad as some of those Husky offenses were, and they were bad, you know, the the you know the like seeing the Huskies last year run for sixty four yards against Montana, I just, uh, uh, and and uh, yeah. it's, it's a whole other conversation. <laughs>
2: It's exactly.
0: a whole other conversation. It's a whole other conversation, but to see Huff retained, I, I, uh, I, you know, I've already said this on the boards. I, but everybody said it on the boards. We don't understand the justification for it. Um, and he's not, he's not an incredible recruiter. But, but that's a. So you just can't see the reason why, but that's a conversation for another day. But there is one thing I want to say, though, that you made a post a few days ago on the boards that really got me thinking that you talked about um, how great that 2016 defense was. And with the right coach and the right mentality, it would have been enough to to go the distance. And it's a damn shame that we lost that window of opportunity. And when you have the likes of – of Greg Gaines and Vita Vea up front and is surrounded by the massive talent all the way back to the secondary. That there was no limit for what that team could do and yet um we were hamstrung by by the coach and you talked about the burning desire that fueled Don James in eighty eight to change his recruiting. And as 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 talented a coach as Chris Peterson was and the success that he did have, he obviously lacked that extra gear to to go the distance with it because he left money on the table there, and it's an opportunity that can't ever be gotten back.
1: That's true, and, and unfortunately, our fans are so beaten down that there's a lot of pushback on my post because you, know, you, you couldn't beat Alabama, you couldn't beat Ohio State. It's the, I, that's why I call us the University if we can't, and we don't. And <laughs> if, until that mindset changes, I don't see much changing. To be honest with you.
0: And uh, yeah, I don't, but you know. Anyway, uh, DeBoer will it was get
1: a nice chance. on with you, pal. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we'll report next week from the uh, the homeless camp down or wherever. If you remember that old joke, uh, with, uh, with, <laughs> I don't even remember how that thing got started, but it was the idea of Softy broadcasting a show live from the homeless camp or whatever. But um, anyways. Uh, yeah, there's there's more we could say, but yeah, we'll 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 do this again soon and we'll probably tackle the 79 season and kind of just go forward chronologically from there. So uh good good talking with you. Uh and we'll talk soon. All
1: right, thanks Derek.
0: Hey, see you man. Hey, bye-bye.
2: Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun over at hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which which is a shit show of politics and strange nudes. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level, level of cyber peyote. peyote, come join Swain's Wigwam. I'm gonna have to read this over. Swain's Wigwam, yeah. Swain's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's gift to college football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. I have to read that one, but.